by the way. Mm -mm -mm. Extra bases is back. We took, uh, was it a one week break, Jeremy? One week, week break? About a week. Yeah. Maybe you were, uh, me, I think it was closer to two now. <laughs> uh, it is two. Uh, you were at the winter meeting, so this will be a little bit of a winter meetings wrap up. One of the major stories, well, we're not going to get to the major, major story right off the bat, but one of the major stories, at least in uh, extra bases land, was the Major League Baseball Scout of the Year Awards. Some guy that we've mentioned on this podcast, Bobby Heck. So they break it up into East and West and then International. Is that how it goes? Yeah, and I think you got to have 25 years to even be considered, right? So I mean, it's it's a longevity award as well. Um, There's some. It was it was a very talented night of winners. Marty Wolliver was another uh, you know award winner. A uh, guy had a lot to do with the Phillies uh, once upon a time. Um, yep, I so, remember that. Yeah, so it was good to um, to see those guys get honored. It, you know, it was good to spend some time with Bobby, uh, his family. Um, you know, the winter meetings is, is a very interesting place in time because we all get to reconnect and we see each other, uh, in, in one spot. It's kind of like the all-star game. Even now everybody's going to go to the all-star game. So the winter meetings, everybody's there. It was, it was really good to see Bobby. It was good to see, um, him being appreciated. Um, because I, you know, look, I've said this before. I really believe that Bobby Heck has not been appreciated by baseball. And so for one night he got his due. It's going to be great to see that going forward a little bit more. He's self-conscious about it. He's not a self-promoter, so he's not going to love that. He just wants to he wants to go to work and be the best person and and, and baseball man he can be. But um, you know, Bobby's impacted so many people in the game in so many ways, and in particular our city, uh, in ways he doesn't get a lot of credit for. Although he's starting to get it now, which is great to see from people outside of here. So um, you know, it was, it was good for him and, and good to be part of that, that experience. Did he know going in that he was getting this? I mean, I've never, this is the one thing on my bucket list. I've never been to the winter meetings. I've never been this year actually would have been a good year to go. And, um, but anyhow, so he knew ahead. I mean, it's not like an envelope and they open it up and they, you know, he knew, he knew ahead of time. He knew. And, and the thing about Bobby is he might've had, and I'm not ever, you know, I'm not putting saying anything about anybody else's group, but Bobby's so beloved in the game that he might've had, some of the biggest cheering sections he could possibly get, you know, it was, and, and it was, um, he knew he was prepared for it. Um, he's an obvious choice. I mean, I, you know, scout of the year to me is, uh, for him is late, you know, it's scout of the decade. It might, you know, might be scout in the last two decades, you know, he's, he's, he's just that type of impact person, but, um, you know, he knew going in, uh, a lot of people were there to see it. Um, a lot of people were there to spend the time with him and, and, and pat him on the back and say thank you. And, um, you know, it's it's an honor. It's definitely not, it's not something everybody's going to achieve. For example, I'll never get it. It's, I'm not going to ever be in scouting long enough to get that. But he's he is. And, um, you know, he's he's made such an impact on the game. It's overdue. Well, I was thinking they wouldn't give one to a disgruntled ex-scout anyways. So that's, that's the whole this, point. Is, this is scout of the year. This isn't disgruntled ex-scout. I, I got that one. Yeah, uh, yeah. I will say. It's very interesting that when I pulled up the article that was written for MLB.com from Jim Callis, when they went through the bios for each winner, um, or at least the very first paragraph focusing on Bobby Heck, it says, Heck helped build the nucleus of the Astros 2017 World Series championship team and 2019 pennant winners. 
He also played a role in the Rays 2020 World Series run. I need to get Jeremy on the uh, gallery. Yeah. So um, as you can tell, Jeremy's face. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and you're right. Around here, people don't look at it that way. But that's the truth. And we've been saying it. No disrespect. We've given we've given proper credit to other people as well, what they had to do with it. But when it comes to the actual drafting, like Bobby, with the exception of the 15, yeah, the 15 draft, because Bobby wasn't there for that, right? He wasn't there for Bregman and Tucker. Bobby was, Bobby's last draft was 2012. Yeah. So I'm um, looking right at it. Duh. But it says, while with Houston, Heck oversaw five drafts that produced 25 big leaguers. And, you know, it's funny. When he left, or at least as he was leaving, the big narrative was that the Astros didn't have a farm system and they weren't very good and we need to change all this. But it talks about 25 big leaguers and getting guys to the big leagues. That is that's the goal, right? I mean, that's that's the job of a scout. But we all know and anybody who listens to this, it's also about impact. It's primarily about impact. And when you look at the guys Jason Castro, George Springer, Carlos Correa, Lance McCullers, Enrique Hernandez, Dallas Keuchel, J.D. Martinez. Yeah, that's a – for a four-year as scouting director, that's a pretty good run. Yeah, yeah, and that's – Yeah, it's pretty good, just pretty good. And that's, and that's to start. I mean, there's a lot of other pieces in there that helped out as part of trades other places. There's people like Adrian Hauser, who's with Milwaukee, I believe, still. I mean, there's, there's people who are – um, who aren't on that list that uh, propelled the club to be able to make the trades and acquisitions that they did because of what was left behind. Um, one of my biggest frustrations with the bloggers and the tweeters is that they decide that Bobby and his crew doesn't exist. You know, the thing about Bobby is it's not just that he's so talented at what he does. Bobby's talented as a human being. I've seen the man stand up in the room and offer his um expertise and resources at different times during the year to groups of people who desperately need it who are trying to compete and get better the guy gives of himself nicole gives of herself you know his wife nicole um you know jordan is is is, is in sports and do and done on her own power you know what i mean so when it comes to the, the 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 ethic and the and the way that bobby has carried himself and the way and i'm i'm gonna get a little bit emotional myself because he and i you know the man's you know we're all part of this jack forensic tree we're all part of that and I mean, Jack had like 10 scouting directors with him and, and and not to take away from Bobby, but we were all a bunch of mercenaries and we crossed paths and went different ways, man. And all we cared about was getting to the ballpark and competing and be a part of something bigger. And Bob, nothing, nobody, nothing epitomized that better than Bobby. Nothing. Anybody the man's touched, he's made better. He's made me better. He's made other people around him better. Um, you know, he's made people he didn't ever worked with or worked around better. He's done everything he can. And Tampa Bay Rays, if you ask them, they will tell you that nothing happens in Tampa Bay, whether it's personnel or whether it's transactions or whether it's whether it's uh, free agent acquisitions, unless Bobby has a, has has a say. I mean, he's not a GM. That's one of the biggest crimes in our game in the last decade and a half, maybe 20 years, is that we got walked away from guys like Bobby Heck. There's other people who, no, let me rephrase that. We walked away from Bobby Heck. 
There's other guys that are that are good. We walked away from Bobby Heck and we let people with personal agendas maybe tear that down and and went to a, a, an analytical phase, which, you know, as we revert to more back to the to the middle, isn't necessarily a bad thing because the game has to ebb and flow. It just doesn't mean that Bobby Heck himself shouldn't have had his opportunity. The man will never say it. He will never get on camera and say, I should have this, I should have that. I'm not even tell you what he wants to do. He's too humble for that. And he probably, when he hears this, is going to get mad at me for even saying it. That's okay. I love you, Bobby. I'm not, I'm going to continue to, to sing your praises and talk about, um, you know, how, how excellent you are. And in the city of Houston, you know, to me, it's sacrilegious with this golden era of baseball we've had in 15 years to act like that started with somebody else. That's that's just a crime. And by the way, we're talking about it. Ed Wade had the foresight to hire Bobby Heck and bring him in to run those drafts. That regime, that collection of people is how this thing started. And you know what? If you look at what the Astros are doing now, now that we can all get off our imaginary pedestals, that the Astros have some kind of a farm system that makes sense, what are they doing about it now? They're going to get guys with skins on the wall. They're going to get the Derek Ladners and they're going to get the uh, people around them. And Gavin Dickey, who's going to run player development, is a great evaluator himself, who's going to be part of that crew. And, you know, look, I might've been a little bit hard on Chris Davis overall. I might've been, I don't think the record says, Chris Gross. says that. I'm sorry, Chris Gross. See, there you go. I don't think the record says what it needs to say, but you know what, maybe it maybe doesn't reflect him entirely. Maybe he was bound, but at the end of the day, um, the Bobby Heck of but the Bobby Heck and his crew, um, you know Clarence Johns, Ralph Bratton, um, you know his his cross checkers, his area scouts. They built it. They started it and they built it. And it, it's actually gone through three different regimes to get here. But none of that matters without Bobby and his people. And um, the game owes him a thank you. The Houston Astros, love him or hate him, have revolutionized revolutionized the game. Last fifty, they've revolutionized the game. And if you look at how you did it, here's the playbook. Go get guys that can evaluate. Go get guys that can grind. Go get guys that care about something bigger than themselves. And then put some numbers on top at the big league level to pick it apart and try to find ways to improve in player development and improve in pro scouting and improve at the big at the big league level to win championships on what you've got in the amateur club, amateur cupboard. That's how you do it. It was done here to perfection, but none of that happens without Bobby and his crew, and he deserves his due. I know you mentioned that Bobby will probably be upset at you for saying this. My guess is Bobby already is uh, upset at you for uh, posting it on X. So what, at this point, what do you care? I mean, uh, if you haven't checked Jeremy's um, X account, you can see he's got a long, long, long post about Bobby. And um, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, Bobby's already mad at you probably. So what's it? What? What? what what does it matter if you're talking about it here? He's probably already upset about what you wrote about on Twitter. Not upset, but you know what I'm saying. Like he, um, yeah. You know, these guys, um, these guys spend far too much time away from the people that they love yep. Yep. to, to have their, their accomplishments taken away. They don't do it for that reason, but when they do it and it has that type of impact to get a chance to lead, to have it taken away from them is, is criminal. And, you know, some of the people here, the bloggers and the tweeters, they decided to give that to not the Chandler Romes or the media or the writers who knew better, not those guys, the bloggers and, and, the, and the tweeters who decided they were going to give that to other people um, because they had a narrative about how bad people like Bobby and myself are um, versus their way of looking at a stat sheet and automatically knowing who can play uh, is tough because he had, he had to go through that. And, and, you know, I think that, 
I'll say this not to pat myself on the back. So that's not the point. It's just a statement of fact. I know that you and I, you afforded me the platform every single time I stood up for what he did and what he, and what he had accomplished and what he had meant to this city. And I took some arrows for it and I do it all over again in the front, in the back, in the shoulders, in the ribs. I don't care. Don't care because the, the man deserves it. He's, he's a, he's an, an 80 person. And um, when you put your heart and soul into something like that to change the city, something that Jack Zarensic taught us all is that one player I was with Tom McNamara the other night too. We we're all together. Same, same thing. And, and Jack said, Jack taught us one player can change the city. One player, one, one, one team, one player can change the team and that team changes the city and that city changes the game. And if you look at it that way and you think about it and you can actually get into what it means to walk through fire to compete, nobody deserves that stuff taken away from them. And, and uh, when you've impacted generations of baseball like Bobby has, there's probably only a few people in the game that can turn it around like 20 or 30 years. And Bobby did that. And that's important. Shoot, you talk about one player. I know this is a baseball podcast, but here in Houston, look at what C.J. Stroud has done for the Houston Texans. I wonder if we actually got into Dana Brown's brain a little bit on our last podcast, that we kind of understood maybe what he was thinking. Maybe it wasn't the last podcast. We sat here and talked about if Martin Maldonado was still on the roster or maybe this was my point, that if Martin Maldonado is still on the roster for the Astros, why wouldn't guys like Justin Verlander, Framber Valdez, Christian Javier want to throw to him again and again and again and again, even though that the front office, the manager, the clubhouse guy, the usher, the season ticket holder, they all want Yainer Diaz playing every day. So, now we see that the Astros have made it official, announcing the signing of Victor Caratini, catcher, switch hitter. Um, you scouted him, I believe. Yeah. And, and now the tributes are coming in to Maldi from a lot of the other Astros players. Well-deserved. It's interesting. <laughs> it's the same two groups. Also, the tweeters and the bloggers um good riddance and then wow you know thank you for everything maldi that had to have played a role in this right jeremy that that if they bring back maldonado why wouldn't the big guns want to continue to throw him and that would further stunt the development of yiner diaz or or am i just connecting dots that maybe i'm thinking they're closer when they're really far away I think it was just time. I, I, I think, and first of all, it was your point. Okay. That was definitely your point. Uh, probably two podcasts ago. That was your point about, um, you know, keeping them on the right. Everything you said, that was you. And, and I talked, we talked about it a little bit, but to, to get to where we are today, I think it was just time. Okay. And it was, it was time to go. It wasn't about to be a distraction. It was time to, to have some upgrades and some length. And Mark and, and Maldonado's got a chance to play other, other places. More of these going to play here. And he clearly wants to play, do that in his career. And, um, that's why people move on. So there's 30 teams, right? So, um, I think it was just time to go. I think Dana knew what he wanted. It wasn't a fit for Maldi in that niche. He wanted to play every day. He didn't want to sit and he's going to have a chance to go play at least more than he was going to hear. So it became a very easy opportunity to go get somebody that's a little younger. Um, that's fresher. I mean, Garrett Carantini was drafted, um, in 2013. I know it was a second round or I want to say Atlanta took him, um, yep. back then, but it was, you know, it was, um, he was drafted and he got to the big 30 league. now, I think 30. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Maldonado is what, 36, 37? Mm -hmm. I had, it, it's yeah. a, it doesn't matter. I, ha, I mean, yeah. we had Martin when I was in Milwaukee, and um, he was in AAA and up and down in the big leagues, and that was 2009, I want to say, right? 2009 or 10. So you're talking about 14, 15 years ago. So if he was 21 or 22 then as a Puerto Rican player, he would have been through the draft. Wow, you're right. Martin is 37. Yeah, it's 37, right? So, you know, you're talking about a seven-year difference. You're talking about somebody who can hit. You're talking about somebody who's a switch hitting option, um, who can who can spell uh, Diaz. You're not talking about right, right, right? You got an extra option there behind the plate. And you got somebody who's, at this point, a better athlete. And it's just okay. It's not. It's, it's father time catches up to everybody. It's Martin's turn. Um, you know, he's going to go uh, have a shot to play somewhere else as he's earned in his career. And he'll, he'll play there as long as he earns that job. So it was just time and, and Dana made the right move. And, um, you know, it's, it's another one of those moves that I understand why Dana's making as he lets the market shake out a little bit. That's a good one. Yeah. I mean, Caratini has been there, done that. He's caught two no hitters. The Astros sent out a uh, news release today, mentioned that he's caught two no hitters. Here's a guy that, you know, he's been there, done that. And he can certainly be a guy to help bring Yiner Diaz along. He's bilingual, I would imagine. Yep. So it it really makes it really makes a lot of sense. Would you rather have him or Christian Vasquez? Of course, Vasquez did not have a great year last year. And I, I mean, I you know. If, uh... Ooh, that's a tough one. I've stumped for, well, for for the price. I would say Caratini. Okay, because Vasquez is 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 based on his performance, not you know he's overpaid a little bit, but being where he was when we had him here, I mean when the city had him, not the Astros, because I'm not an Astro. When the city had him in Houston, he was, um, you know, I'd, I'd have taken Vasquez, I'd have kept yeah. him. You know, but today I'm taking Caratini based on where that is. Dave Wormeister died. Really? Do you know who that is? An old old time player, right? Uh, 70s and 80s, growing up and collecting baseball cards, a lot of minor league baseball cards, it seemed like Dave Wormeister was in every single minor league baseball card team set I had. Columbus Clippers, Buffalo Bisons, I think uh, teams in the Pacific Coast League, I had his major league cards. He's one of those guys, um, it just seemed like every pack I opened up had a Dave Dave Wormeister card. So rest in peace, Dave Wormeister. Uh, Juan Soto to the Yankees. We got 10 minutes left. Your gut reaction when you heard the news. I mean, certainly it's an upgrade and it's the Yankees going back to being the Yankees. Um, It's Soto, Judge, and Verdugo in the outfield with Grisham as a four, right? That's what you're looking at right now. And I, and I would say that they're not done yet. Um, there's more to address for that club. Um they have to get better in an East where, where Baltimore is, is, is coming. They're hungry. They're good. Tampa's Tampa every year. Toronto isn't relaxing and clearly by their pursuit of uh, a young Mr. Otani. Right. I mean, okay. you know, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got some clubs in that division who are just not going to let up and you better hit the gas with them. So, you know, the Yankees have to become the Yankees at some point again um, is the thinking, right. And they, that's, this is probably a step in that direction. That said in San Diego, um, you know, God rest him. Peter Seidler was AJ Preller's sponsor. That was his guy. And when you're there for nine years and you've got one winning season, it doesn't matter if you're, um, it, do it doesn't matter if you're, if you're, well, um, 
if you're excreting gold, let's say. It doesn't <laughs> matter, okay? What does what does matter is that you got to win at some point. And AJ is not a bad evaluator of talent. He's pretty good. You know, they keep loading stuff up. He's not a ba- bad evaluator of people. He's pretty good. They just ain't won. And whatever the reason is that they haven't won, can't tell you. I'm not there. I'm not in the clubhouse. I have no idea. But he's been there nine years, and they got one winning season. And it's widely known around the game that from his protection standpoint, it was Peter Seidler. And so God rest him. Now that he's gone, he's got other people to answer to on the board who may not feel the same way. AJ's got to win. That means you got to shed some payroll. That means you're not going to sign sign Soto anyway. You might as well load up the system the best you can to keep the, keep the train moving somehow, whether it's ship guys out left, ship guys out right. I got no problem with the deal from San Diego's side, and the Yankees got to do it. They got to do it or they're, they're, you know, they're relegated to something like they had last year, and they don't want to see that. But now there's talk if reading um, Ken Rosenthal in The Athletic, this pushes Judge to center field. And I don't think you want Aaron Judge out there for 130, 40 games. Just the stress yeah. you put on his body. Well, you know, when no one's talking about Jason Dominguez yet because he's out, he's hurt, right? Well, exactly. So I mean, that certainly – that would certainly change things. He comes back, and then you've got Stanton, who's always hurt. No, no, no. You know, I mean, Cashman jumped. In you can, you can say that, that, not Brian yeah, Cashman. Cashman can't say it. I can say it. You know, Stanton's always going to get hurt at some point because they, you know, he's he's taken his body away from being conditioned to play in the field every day, so it's gone backwards. And so, you know, yeah, he's going to get hurt again. So there's going to be a bat somewhere, but you can't play Stanton seven days a week because he's going to get hurt, and you can't play Dominguez seven days a week because he's not going to be around long enough. So Verdugo's got to got to take a day off a week, and and uh, Soto probably plays every day. You know, well, here's the thing. Season. Here's the thing, though, now that I'm looking at this, because I went back to when he first came up and I remember this because obviously the Nationals played the Astros in the World Series. Soto came up as a left fielder. Yeah. So why? I mean. Why couldn't Soto play left? Judge and right. And then you've got Dominguez in center. You got Verdugo who's going to start in center, though, and he's not a center fielder. Alex is going to have to play a corner, and you got Grisham, who's your defensive replacement. So you may see something like Grisham comes in in the seventh inning. He's just your guy to go Glover. He's got to go get it. You can slide Judge over to right field and Soto to left if that's the that's the timing. And Verdugo is the one that comes out. I don't know. What I do know is that it looks like an offense-heavy lineup for the first six innings to beat people, you know, senseless, if you will. And then you turn around and get some guys and go catch it. That's old-school baseball. Throw me all the analytics you want. That's old-school baseball. Players get to play how they want to for six innings. The manager gets seven, eight, nine. That's way it works. So I think when you when you have that type of of uh, roster breakup, that's what you're looking at. Um, they're certainly in a position to score some runs. And if you factor in Stanton, there's enough at bats in there. There's enough off days in there for when guys come back, guys get hurt in their track records, and um, you know how that's going to balance out. So I like the move for both sides. San Diego had to do it, and so did New York. There's also been some talk. Jake Myers that the Astros have received some offers, but they think Jake Myers is a center fielder. And if that bat comes around, but for me, Jeremy, the bat hasn't come around. And I just, my whole point is if you got in offers or interest, I, I think you should capitalize on that. You know, you, you, I think you're right. However, I will say that when we Dana talked about him before with what they were looking for, if you really think he's a fourth outfielder, but he's your best defensive center fielder, if that's what you believe, and you got to run him out there, right? You don't know what you're going to have with Dubon. Dubon really is made to be a super utility guy, but he can play, he can play in center, right? So if he can play short, he can play center, he can play second. 
Um, you know, there is something called regression to the mean. Is Dubon going to go out and do what he did? Don't know. Let's get these guys from the bats and see. What I really think that means is they're not getting the money to get what they want to get. That's what I think it means. Okay. They don't have anything to trade from, from within. We know that. No matter what the bloggers and the tweeters say, there's nothing in the system to go ahead and, and trade for an everyday middle of the diamond defender that can hit. You got to draft those guys. And if you're not going to go sign those guys on the market, because either they're out, not out there, or you don't want to spend, right? Because you got your own people to take care of internally, then Myers got to play. That's what that means. Myers got to play, and so does Dubon. And you got to go find those guys and hope you get the most out of them while they're here. So I don't have any problem with Jake Myers staying. I just think the hyperbole is a little bit much. I think let's just let's just get down to, you know what? You can go pick it up. You can go get it in center field, and we'll get offensively. We get. We got McCormick. We got uh, uh, Alvarez. We can put out there for a day or two. Which, by the way, a certain analyst you know when they said they were going to run him out there for 150 games last year said what? Put his butt in DH, left hand hitter batter's box. That's where he plays. And guess what's happening now? Uh oh, wait a minute. Let me see. McCormick in left, Myers in center. I believe that's a guy who's oh who's in right. Tucker. Tucker's in right, and then you've got Dubon as your extra guy, and that leaves Alvarez playing left-handed hitter, okay? And that's how you're going to you spell those guys a couple of days at a time. Maybe McCormick picks up in center field. Maybe maybe uh, uh, Dubon's out there. Maybe Myers becomes your fourth guy. And there's a rotation there. So I don't mind keeping him. I just let's, – let's cool it on the hyperbole if he's going to play every single day out there in center because he's the second coming of uh, – of uh, uh, Grady Seisman. Let's let's cool on that a little bit. Rule five draft. I talked to you about this before we came on. You said you hadn't seen it. I'm... The Pittsburgh Pirates selected in the minor league phase a guy with some historic production. Uh oh. They chose Seth Beer. Was that in the A ball phase? <laughs> no. What phase was that in? No, the minor league phase, AAA, oh. I think, probably. Yeah, AAA, because uh, Indianapolis Indians, uh, that's what it's written on the transaction wire. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for another Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Until next time, we'll talk to you later.